Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a dramatic reading of the notes I took in my middle school history class some 20 years ago. I'm Gabe Luzier, and thankfully none of what I just said was true. This is a more or less normal history show, and in this episode, we're looking at the story of a much better April Fool's prank. It's the day when the BBC convinced its viewers that pasta wasn't made from flour and water, but actually grows on trees. The day was April 1st. 1957. As an April Fool's Day prank, the British Broadcasting Corporation aired a made-up report about harvesting spaghetti from trees. The three-minute segment was played completely straight, with no indication it was a hoax, besides the little-known fact that spaghetti does not grow on trees. The report, which was narrated by revered broadcaster Richard Dimbleby, followed a family from Ticino in the south of Switzerland as they set about their annual spaghetti harvest. They're shown plucking strands of fresh spaghetti noodles from a tree and then laying them out on tarps to dry in the sun. The BBC's spaghetti hoax is one of the earliest examples of a TV broadcast being used to play an April Fool's joke. But when it first aired, not everyone was laughing. The mastermind behind the prank was a BBC cameraman named Charles de Jaeger, and amazingly, he had been planning the joke since childhood. 
De Jaeger was born in Vienna on February 27, 1911. Growing up, he had a schoolteacher who often teased the class by saying they were so gullible they'd even believe that spaghetti grows on trees. For whatever reason, that visual stuck with De Jaeger well into adulthood. One of his earliest jobs was working as a freelance photographer in Austria. Then, in the 1930s, he moved to Britain and began working for the Free French Film Unit during World War II. He joined the BBC in July of 1943, taking a job as a sub-editor for Central European News Reports. Five years later, he became a newsreel cameraman for the BBC, the first at the network to film outside of the United Kingdom. It was during these years that De Jaeger developed a reputation for his sense of humor. For example, the BBC once sent him to the Vatican to interview Pope Pius XII. He had a hard time setting up the interview, but was eventually told by a priest that His Holiness would meet with him on Tuesday afternoon. De Jaeger jokingly replied, Yes, but is he a man of his word? The cameraman was eager to bring his comedy to the airwaves as well. He never forgot the idea of a spaghetti tree and was convinced it would make a perfect visual joke for April Fool's Day. But try as he might to sell the idea, and he did try several times, none of his bosses at the BBC would ever sign off on it. That is, until 1957, when De Jaeger began working as a cameraman for the current affairs show, Panorama. At the time, it was the biggest news program on British television, drawing about 10 million viewers every Monday night at 8. The show's catchphrase was, A Window on the World, and it was De Jaeger's job as the traveling cameraman to provide that window. He was well-suited to foreign assignments as he was fluent not only in English and German, but in French and Italian as well. In early spring of 1957, De Jaeger realized that April 1st happened to fall on a Monday that year, the same day when Panorama aired new episodes. He couldn't let the chance slip by without trying, so once again, he pitched his spaghetti prank to the network. This time, though, he wasn't alone. One of his colleagues, a writer named David Wheeler, agreed to write the narration for the project and helped De Jaeger pitch the idea to Michael Peacock, the lead editor on Panorama. They emphasized how little the segment would cost to produce, since De Jaeger was already scheduled on an assignment in Switzerland in the coming weeks. Wheeler could write the script, and De Jaeger could shoot the footage alongside his other project. Peacock was convinced and gave them the go-ahead to stage one of the first major pranks in TV history. Armed with a budget of just 100 pounds, De Jaeger traveled to Switzerland in March and began searching for a location that would work as a convincing spaghetti orchard. With help from the Swiss tourist office, he finally found a suitable spot, a grove of evergreen laurel trees along the shore of Lake Lugano. De Jaeger bought 20 pounds of uncooked homemade spaghetti and placed it between wet cloths to keep it from drying out before it was time to shoot. Next, he hired a group of local young women to appear in the segment. He asked them to come dressed in the traditional clothing of their region, and when they arrived, he had them hang the spaghetti from tree branches. Once all the noodles were in place, De Jaeger filmed the girls as they climbed ladders carrying wicker baskets, which they then loaded up with fresh-picked spaghetti noodles. 
When he got all the footage he needed of the actual harvest, De Jaeger organized a spaghetti feast for the actors, and then filmed them enjoying the fruits of their labor. That footage was sent back to London, where it was edited down to just under three minutes. Music was added to the background to set the mood, and the tongue-in-cheek narration that David Wheeler wrote was recorded and synced to the footage. The narration itself was read by Richard Dimbleby, a well-respected figure who had anchored Panorama for the last three years. His participation in the prank is a big reason why so many viewers ultimately fell for the joke. As one of the host's colleagues put it, quote, Dimbleby had enough gravitas to float an aircraft carrier. So when he told the public that, in Switzerland, spaghetti grows on trees, many people at home figured it had to be true. Michael Peacock had signed off on the prank, but he didn't let anyone else at the BBC know that until the last possible minute. After all, if any higher-ups heard about the plan before airtime, they might put their foot down and cancel the whole thing. So as far as most people at the network knew, the show would have only three segments that night. A lengthy story about the leader of the Church of Cyprus, a clip of the Duke of Edinburgh attending the premiere of a war movie, and a short feature about a wine-tasting contest. However, after the third segment finished, there were still about three minutes left in the time slot. That's when Richard Dimbleby looked straight into the camera, and with a straight face, introduced the real last story of the evening. He said, quote, And now from wine to food. We end Panorama tonight with a special report from the Swiss Alps. The screen then cut to De Jaeger's footage, and from a trusted voice, viewers at home heard the following report. Here in the Ticino, on the borders of Switzerland and Italy, the slopes overlooking Lake Lugano have already burst into flower at least a fortnight earlier than usual. But what, you may ask, has the early and welcome arrival of bees and blossom to do with food? It's resulted in an exceptionally heavy spaghetti crop. The last two weeks of March are an anxious time for the spaghetti farmer. There's always the chance of a late frost, which, while not entirely ruining the crop, generally impairs the flavor and makes it difficult for him to obtain top prices in world markets. But now these dangers are over and the spaghetti harvest goes forward. Spaghetti cultivation here in Switzerland is not, of course, carried out on anything like the tremendous scale of the Italian industry. For the Swiss, however, it tends to be more of a family affair. Another reason why this may be a bumper year lies in the virtual disappearance of the spaghetti weevil, the tiny creature whose depredations have caused much concern in the past. After picking, the spaghetti is laid out to dry in the warm alpine sun. Many people are often puzzled by the fact that spaghetti is produced at such uniform length, but this is the result of many years of patient endeavor by plant breeders who've succeeded in producing the perfect spaghetti. And now the harvest is marked by a traditional meal. Toasts to the new crop are drunk in these poccolinos, and then the waiters enter bearing the ceremonial dish, and it is of course spaghetti picked earlier in the day, dried in the sun, and so brought fresh from garden to table at the very peak of condition. For those who love this dish, there's nothing like real homegrown spaghetti. When the segment ended, the show cut back to Dimbleby one last time. He said, quote, Now we say goodnight, 
on this first day of April. He was trying to emphasize the date to make sure viewers got the joke, but it still went over some people's heads. As soon as the episode ended, hundreds of viewers began calling the BBC. Peacock's boss, Leonard Mial, later recounted the scene in the BBC's telephone exchange that night. He said, quote, The calls came in incessantly. Some were from viewers who had enjoyed the joke, including one from Bristol, who complained that spaghetti didn't grow vertically, it grew horizontally. But mainly, the calls were requests for the BBC to settle family arguments. The husband knew it must be true that spaghetti grew on a bush because Richard Dimbleby had said so, and the wife knew it was made with flour and water, but neither could convince the other. That may sound ridiculous, and it is. But to be fair, spaghetti and many other kinds of pasta weren't widely eaten in the UK until the following decade. Canned spaghetti was likely the only kind you'd find at a British market, so the food's origin wasn't immediately obvious, especially without a list of ingredients. I mean, most people could probably still guess that what was in the can didn't come from a tree, but not everyone is that discerning. Viewers continued calling the BBC about the hoax for the rest of the month. Most of them just wanted to know how they could start growing spaghetti themselves. In fact, the BBC got so many calls from people asking how to grow a spaghetti tree that the operators eventually settled on a standard reply. They instructed all aspiring spaghetti farmers to, quote, place a sprig of spaghetti in a tin of tomato sauce and hope for the best. That said, some viewers did criticize the network for airing a fictional story during what was billed as a factual news program. But David Wheeler, the man who wrote the script, long maintained that the spaghetti hoax was ultimately for the viewer's own good. In 2004, he told the BBC, quote, I think it was a good idea for people to be aware they couldn't believe everything they saw on the television and that they ought to adopt a slightly critical attitude to it. In that sense, the Spaghetti Tree hoax taught TV viewers an important lesson in those early days of the medium. Just because it's on TV doesn't mean it's true. All these years later, that same need for a critical mindset now extends to cable news and to pretty much all of the internet. Misinformation abounds, more accessible and more convincing than any other time before. That's why the story of the BBC's spaghetti prank is still relevant today. It reminds us that if we want to avoid falling for something as silly as spaghetti growing on trees, we have to use our heads instead of just going with our gut. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about spaghetti history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, you can learn more about the topic by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can write to us directly at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. 